Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. Today's guest is a musician all the way from Hungary. His name is Segedi Laszlo. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. I got it. I got it. I got it. Maybe I did go on Google Translate before and spend a bit of time practicing <laughs> it, <laughs> just so I made sure I get it. Anyway, how are you doing, Segedi? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. You have to know a thing about Hungarians. We share a common thing with Japanese people. So uh, my first name is actually Laszlo. Ah, my apologies. And no, no problem. And, and, and my other name is Segedi from my, you know, from my father, because it's a town around. Oh, so it's okay. like John London or whatever. So, so, so you can call me Laszlo. Laszlo. Like there, there was a musician in the United States singing the, the main song of the TV show Scrubs, Laszlo mm. Bain. Mm -hmm. So you can just pronounce it like Laszlo However, it's, it's, it's comfortable. You know, I never knew that about Hungarians. I know that yeah. um, in other similar countries, such as Russia, uh, historically, I don't know if they still do this, but historically, if you go back and read like literature, like, I don't know, The Idiot or um, uh, what's that one by Bolukakov? Um, something to do with the dog or something. I don't know. There's, <laughs> I can't, I can't, heart of a dog. That's what it's, well, that's what it's called in English. Anyway, uh -huh. there's a doctor in it who has like his name that he's referred to. And then it's a similar thing where like the father's name goes before your name, but then you also have oh, yeah, yeah. something like that. Um, yeah, sometimes like that. it's like a traditional thing. I don't know if they do this anymore, but they definitely did this in like, revolution times and uh -huh, uh -huh. um tsar times and stuff like that um but yeah that's in, that's interesting um i didn't realize that hungarians uh yeah yeah but but no. google uh, changed the order of the names so this is why you received my name like that okay so well, last two learn, learning something new every single day that's fantastic um yeah let's let's jump straight into it so you're a musician um well how did you get into music talk us through your journey Musician, I, I do that as a hobby because in my private life, I, I'm working in IT. Oh, okay. And after my two kids were born, I needed something to get the stress off and relax with something. And besides craft beers, I decided to pick up my old guitar and started writing songs again. And at first, I've written these songs in my native language, Hungarian. And after that, I thought, why not to do an English project? So this is how I came up with the thing I sent to you, Popular Sci-Fi Objects, which is a fun project for me. I'm not taking it too seriously. Mm -hmm. I'm not well, taking the whole music thing too seriously because I don't have to earn too much money from it because it's, it's not my living. This is just a hobby. Okay. I get that. Well, I mean, it's hey, a passion is a passion, right? You know, I mean, we, we all have different goals. I mean, one thing I find quite interesting is sometimes a lot of the time you have people, you know, wanting to make their hobbies or passions, their career. But I, I have heard this before where people say, well, actually, I don't want, you know, necessarily my passion to be 
my career you know um, i suppose i suppose it depends i mean if you're for instance you're in it and, and we'll go into that in, in a bit but um if you're actually like perfectly content in that and that's and you're happy most importantly then what you know it's, it's not necessary i mean i will say this i think comparatively and we can all probably agree on this like it is a hell of a lot more um how should we put it <clears throat> let's say secure than music as a as a career option you know oh, what yeah, i mean as far as, far as like you know supporting yourself supporting a family i mean quite I, yeah. I must say like of all the things that i'm pursuing in my life um i've always been a musician i always will be but i'm not kind of pursuing it as solidly as everything else that i do you know like acting podcasting all these other things that i'm really want to make something of with music it's like I want to do music. I want to record music. That that's very important to me. I want to record, get music out there, and I still want to perform. But I don't want to like, you know, go on tour for like a year, two years. You know what I mean? Like, it's. I think sometimes with certain things, it's like better in small doses as opposed to just all the time. Because I don't know. Whenever I hear like famous musicians talk about what it's actually like to be a musician, like the day to day, sounds awful. It's like yeah yeah okay great you get to be on stages and stuff and it's like there's the fanfare and stuff like that but a lot of being a musician is you know and 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 i've I've experienced this a little bit with in my earlier days in bands and stuff like being in studios for hours and hours and weeks and days sometimes months um gigging is very thankless you do you do get like there are I, i am painting a very bad picture there are of course enjoyable parts of it gigging is a lot of fun but the setup for gigging and especially touring as well it's like i don't know go go have a look on youtube and and just type in like musicians talking about touring it just sounds like not fun (laughs) going on the bus for hours traveling and and living in hotels and i i have just been watching uh, get back that uh, beatles documentary and actually they were sweating blood they were working so hard, like 10 hours a day, or sometimes not, of course, but the other times. Did you watch this show? I've, I've seen clips. I, I've yet to see it, but I've, I've got an understanding. Like, of course, I've, you know, I'm a big fan of the Beatles, like most people. And, and it's for you. Yeah, well, the, the way I look at Get Back is it's an interesting look into, and very kind of tragic as well, um, because obviously that was the last outing for the Beatles. Um, as as we knew them like that was it for them and it's an interesting peer into kind of them just working as a bat like i think that's as especially if you're a musician is very interesting to look at because i suppose sometimes when you've got these like bands that are kind of like there's a difference between i think like a really good band a successful band and then an iconic industry defining band you know like there are certain artists you know what I mean? Yeah, that they transcend every. Like, for instance, um, the Beatles defined what it means to be like a rock band or just a band in general. Uh, boy bands came from that. <laughs> Sorry to say that. Um, but no, but everything has come from that. You know, metal, rock, um, other genres as well are linked to it. It's, it's an amalgamation of them and it also helped to spearhead other things later down the line and it set a template. And even just like from a songwriting perspective, they've kind of. There's a lot of things that they introduced um, or that they 
you know, redefined or whatever because you know most musicians will know that obviously nothing is ever original it's often you take an existing idea and you put your yeah. ideas on top of Absolutely. it and yeah and you like for instance like led zeppelin is famously a band that took a lot of blues riffs and blues ideas and then sort of combined that with their own ideas and, and created something new and you know um but i think with the beatles is a bit different because they did a lot of things that that redefined music in, in many different ways and they as i said before they set a template but that's the point like i think from a musician's standpoint it's interesting to to, to see them at a point in their career where you know they've made their money it's not it's not about and i'm not saying they went in it for the money i truly believe that they went in it because they just loved music sure but you know look you don't do anything in life um without wanting to get somewhere with it even even with yourself i know you said you're not pursuing music as like a career but i would imagine part of you is like hey let's see where this goes like i'd like to do something like this you know let's see what happens you know you, there's always that compulsion within us i think to want to or motivation sorry to see where we can take something and if hey if you start getting somewhere with something keep pushing it further and pushing it further but um yeah with with that particular record um get back it's like kind of a bittersweet thing but it's also quite educational as well and as you say just going back to the original point of you know sweating blood in the studio and and i do you know i think i don't know for certain but i reckon there was probably pressure on them to make that record from their label it, and it I, sounded so yes yeah like i and that's quite a common theme to this day as well like record companies owning you and you know like for instance you sign a five-year contract and then you got to put out like three albums in five years plus touring um so you just basically never get any time for yourself um and it's you know the music process <laughs> that's the thing when you think about it like we, we me and you can sit here and we and we can like write music freely in our own time and there's no pressure and you know, it comes to us and, and it's an enjoyable experience. But if you're a professional musician and you've got that pressure on you and it's your career, it's what you do for a living. Um, I mean, there's so much at stake. And I, I imagine that to an extent that can suck the fun out of it a little bit, but it can also make it like really tough because you can't, you can't like force an idea. Like here's something I learned um i'm gonna ramble for a little bit so i do apologize but it's just because we got talking about this like i just can't Please go on yeah, yeah I, I can't not like share this because i've never really shared this before but when i first started oh. song songwriting um i used to as i imagine like many musicians try to sit down and like force things i was like oh i need to come up with something come up with something and i think part of the problem was i just hadn't lived yet which i think is important you need to live a life and have experiences so you've got something to write about but also um i think in many cases like songwriting is something where you know it comes the ideas come to you from different places maybe it's a 2 a.m thing maybe it's i don't know a particular feeling uh, the loss of a loved one um it could be many different things you know uh, and it it kind of comes like I think Justin Hawkins. I've been watching Justin Hawkins a lot lately as a YouTube channel, and he described a lot of the time like songwriting to be a sort of a thing where certain people will you know be thinking of an idea and then they'll just 
grab an idea and and start working on it and it's, it's i feel it's like that like for me i started writing better music once i stopped trying which sounds crazy but like it's true you, you know what i mean it's like you stop thinking about it and then an idea comes to you and then you just sit down and you work on it and then a couple of minutes later you got a song but, yeah but what are your thoughts on 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 all of that and what yeah actually what, what were your takeaways from from get back so you mentioned nothing is original even this was maybe the ninth or tenth album mm, yeah not maybe. the first for sure but uh, even during the recording sessions they were just um, recording because they are recorded but they were just playing other songs other songs from other people so they were really musicians not just songwriters and not just businessmen but they were just four guys in their they were not even 30 i guess they were young and they were just playing together enjoying themselves after a while not at the beginning because the pressure is there as you mentioned but they are playing old elvis songs rock and roll stuff just and sometimes on a high pitch just playing around and it, it was so great to see them and i understand why there, there is a movie called yesterday did you see yesterday and okay spoiler alert so at the end the main character of the movie visits john lennon because this this uh, movie is in a parallel universe where Beatles didn't exist so this is why John Lennon is still alive and even in that movie just seeing the actor who is playing John Lennon so seeing John Lennon is so amusing it is so fun so when I was watching Get Back and I was I was watching these guys playing I felt the same and they allow themselves to make mistakes so they are all kind of mumbling with the lyrics and playing around for days even the song get back they are they're playing it like 15 times during the movie and the lyrics is developing so i think it is a great movie for fans like you because i was trying to watch it with my family and they were bored see but uh for, oh, family, for, for fans it's perfect it's an educational movie i, th I think fans. i think that's the thing like you've either got to be a big music fan or a musician to really get like to be well to be entertained by it and i, I know that sounds very like exclusive like oh what do you mean but the, like the fact that your family didn't find it funny to me is not surprising i think it's just like not not in a mean way i just mean that like you know they just don't appreciate what it's brilliant about it. like i'll give you a really quick example like um for those listening just to define what, what exactly what i mean here um as you said like they're working on their songs continuously and like that the song get back like there's a clip where paul's just playing it endlessly and endlessly and endlessly and in the very beginning it kind of sounds a bit eh. you know you can hear the bare bones of it but it's not quite there yet and my God, the amount of songs I've written over the years or people I've heard written songs like in you know, the release, the early demo. And it's like, oh, this sounds rubbish. But that's the thing about songwriting, isn't it? It's like 
even even when you've written like the bare bones of it and stuff like then it comes to practicing and then playing it and then you kind of find like a groove like there's been songs that i've written where you know it started one way and then i kept playing it and then i found a better rhythm for it and maybe i play it a bit faster or, or tweak the chords a bit or something like that and to me it felt a lot like that was what the beatles were doing and as you said they are just like four guys four musicians having fun and and I think that's kind of like when the music is is at its best, you know. But with that being said, though, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I love how there's a, a magical bit in it where um, George Harrison just goes, oh, yeah, like, I wrote, I wrote this song last night. And he's like, what? And then he just plays I, Me, Mine just perfectly. And I, I just laughed at that. I was like, oh, well, he, he just wrote <laughs> yeah. this last night, this amazing song. He just like, it just came to him in the night. But then that speaks to how brilliant and talented all four of them were. I mean, they could just write an amazing song like that, just like the night before. <laughs> they were four geniuses. And every fan should watch Get Back. I, oh yeah, I truly believe that. Like I, I remember when I was growing up. Like I think most people, you, know, you you get into music or you become a musician, you become a fan of the Beatles. Even even if like you, you know, you listen to other genres and it's not like your thing. I think you you just they just they just wrote good so, good music that pretty much I think has like a universal appeal. Anyone can enjoy it because it's just good music. But at the same time, like I think it's. Um, when you start delving in and you start looking at them as musicians and what they contributed and why their stuff is important and why their legacy is so important, that's where it starts to get interesting, I think. And Get Back is a really good example of that because it's like, it has, it's, it's, it's like one of those musicians' movies that every musician needs to see. Yeah, and I know I haven't seen it yet. I've seen the clip, but you know, like you need to at least be like into them and, and understand like why they're important. Like in the same way that if you watch Spinal Tap, that's a hilarious insight over the top, but hilarious as far as like if you've ever been in a band, you can relate to all of that stuff. You can, and it's just timeless. I mean, that was made in what the eighties, and it's still relevant to this day. And that Get Back um, documentary was in the 60s i think it's like 69 or something but you sit and watch yeah. it and, you're, and and like all of it's relatable like just all of it even just like their little mini arguments getting annoyed like the brilliant bit where paul um is like he, clearly paul is the leader of the band um at least at that point and i never really realized that i mean i always kind of assumed that john was was the leader of the band and that he had a, a bit of a like power struggle with Paul but like I didn't realize Paul was quite so like I'm the leader it's me like I'm the boss like <laughs> not always but in certain instances but there's a brilliant bit where um that in that bit where George Harrison's playing I Me Mine and Paul comes up behind him with his like foot kind of like I don't know you know like when you're like leaning and you're like that leaning over someone like that just like uh-huh 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 and it's like even in that interaction where he's like listening it see, like, he doesn't say anything but he's like going is that smoking a cigarette like, uh -huh, uh -huh. like he's already planning on how he's going to change it <laughs> like, like you're gonna change this and you're going to do this and you're going to do this <laughs> they were smoking so much cigarette on this movie <laughs> 
almost every scene is filled with smoke. <laughs> it's just a different time, and I think I think that was probably back back when they used to tell people that smoking was good for you, and it's like <laughs> oh, something like that. Yeah, it's crazy to think at one time that there was actual adverts that told you that, like, yes, yeah, smoking's good for your health. <laughs> no, it's not. But yeah, I don't know. anyway, anyway. Well, speaking of. Um, musicians and songwriting and everything like what's your uh, songwriting approach like how do you write songs i think you already mentioned taking an idea and i'm trying to write lyrics to it but for this ep i asked the help from my friends how did the beatles sing it i get by with a little help from my friends so i asked or friends of mine to help with the lyrics because they also love science fiction as I do and I told them here's this cliche let's just sit together and write something from it and they will happen with the lyrics a lot like 70% but later on I was turning them to songs recording the guitar parts and adding drums computer drums to them and singing to them and i hired some musicians on fiverr to extend the experience with the violin and saxophone interesting so this was the process well, you i know was hiring people before for my other project and i really enjoy because you can get so great deals with that man you're a bra- you're a brave person man. I don't, i'm not sure i trust people on fiverr like jeez i mean what what can go wrong so a lot can go wrong <laughs> they can take your money and then just send you yeah yeah that trash. can go wrong that can go wrong so so i prepared an amount a small amount like 20 bucks or 10 bucks which uh, i expected and and i was watching a lot of youtube videos about that it it can go wrong like you mentioned, they can yeah, yeah, just okay. send them back some shit or something. But I was checking the reviews, and again, I was not expecting too much. But these musicians were so amazing. A girl from Germany and a, and a saxophone player from New York. They sent me so amazing stuff, and even Fiverr or, or these musicians let you do revisions so there was an opportunity to say maybe this part is a little bit too mellow or something maybe you could change that and uh, they did that so it, it was such an amazing experience i got bad experience with mixing so i found a good mixer in new york but his prices went up it's, it's not a surprise because he's amazing. So I turned to another guy and I'm not sure his account is even real. The whole conversation or the communication was nah, nah. And the mix didn't turn out as quite as well as I hoped it would be. Oh. So yeah, it, it can go wrong, but I'm always betting small amounts like the price of a few lunches, something like that. So not like hundreds or thousands, only 20, 30 bucks. 
Fair enough. Yeah, I suppose it's a low risk in that sense. So it's amazing as well that, you know, you've got the, this kind of international flavour going on there. And just, I don't know, I just, maybe it's just because I'm getting older now. I'm just looking at the way things are, but it's just incredible. And it blows my mind that you can just create music on the fly from home and have people just send you other stuff and put that all together and because like yeah. you know it's like when we were growing up it's like you just if you, if you wanted to write music with other people you had to find people and then get in a room together and do it you know it's like <laughs> i don't know it's just weird how times change you know amazing but just crazy but yeah um and i even i even followed these musicians on instagram and oh, cool. maybe on facebook as well and I really enjoy how they are. One of them is is working on a cruise ship right now as a guitar player. Cool. And I can see how he's traveling from South America to Texas and to, to these islands, and he's going to the beach and, and playing some music. And uh, the other one is having a new release. So, what does it cost me to to share his release? nothing and he's happy i am happy everybody's happy nice you mentioned um the 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 songs you're writing have are about science fiction i love science fiction just on a side note <laughs> um but like is there like a, a particular theme going on here or, or is there like a an idea is it like a storybook type thing or is it just like random songs about science fiction themes that was what can you tell us about that i like what you call classic science fiction mm. so those things from the 70s 80s and a lot of those authors have passed away now but i was growing up watching those b movies like the time cop or uh, Terminator and stuff like that. And after a while, they turn to be so repetitive and they're using those cliches again and again. So it's, I think it's really hard to see original thoughts in movies, but in all kinds of science fiction today. There are some, I can name a few, but they are very rare. So this is why we decided with my friends to turn these cliches to songs. That's a cool To make idea. a kind of a parody from them. I like that idea. That's cool. And and what you were saying about, yeah, I, I think it's a lot of people are, maybe in the film industry, are just afraid to take a gamble on new ideas. Like it's easier to just reboot something. But you know, what, what confuses me is like, sometimes they'll do something and then they'll just won't do anything with it. Like, I, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it's just me, but I'm not hypercritical on things. But like, I remember seeing like a Robocop remake in like 2016 or something. And I thought it was exceptional. It wasn't as good as the original. Maybe that's just biased. I prefer the older one. Um, I felt like it was very of its time, you know. But the new one was good. I mean, they didn't try to. It was just Robocop with a modern take and it worked and it was actually quite gritty, which I liked. And they did they did a similar wow. thing. They did a similar thing with um oh gosh. Um the remake of Total Recall. Same exact thing. Totally different, but brilliant. 
and it and it paved the way for a sequel and they never did a sequel and same with that robocop movie same with uh judge dread with carl urban that was brilliant they never did anything with that it's like you got so many of these movies and series that you could continue with and i i guess it comes down to like oh well it just didn't make enough at the box office and it's like i was watching judge dread the the new one for like four times even last week it was in, it was just in the tv and just turn it on and oh, okay the new judge dread it's it's ah that's amazing everything the whole setup the actors mm. uh that's a great movie yeah. truly yeah it just it baffles me sometimes like why they don't continue going with these but i, I guess for them it's it, you know i mean it's just a business isn't it it's like if it doesn't make enough money then don't bother and it's like that's such yeah. a shame because there's just so much you can do with it and sometimes it just clicks like i don't know it doesn't make any sense to me because but then sometimes you see that they'll pump money into something that they don't need to pump as much money into like for instance with the batman movies they nailed it with with bail and then when they moved to uh to affleck like i felt like they didn't do anything different they just kind of repeated the same thing which like no no nothing against affleck i think he did a good job acting it i just think i think the problem was more that they just tried to just redo not well not redo but it was just a continuation of what um bale was doing which is like they, they were they were trying to be epical again it is do a, such a great movie like Christopher Nolan did but, but it's like it's, it's been done it's done it's already it's done. done that was, that was yeah. an error that was the 2000s Batman if you like you know, did there you was, see the new Batman movie the the most with Pattinson, Pattinson. Uh-huh. did you see that I haven't seen it but I desperately want to see it like I, you should, you should. Yeah, I've seen good clips. I've, the score sounds amazing. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go see it. Um, but there's a perfect example. Like, okay, I haven't seen it just yet, but from what I've seen so far, that's new. That's different. It's, it's that's still- different because just just like you you said, everything like the whole adventure and life story of Batman was told like ten times. <sighs> yeah, and they skip that now. So. What do I like in Batman is he's this kind of detective guy working with his brain. And they did that. There is a case, an actual case. So he's not trying to save the whole earth and fighting with Superman and, and with the, okay, not the Avengers, but, but whoever just, they... Justice League, isn't it? Justice League. Sometimes, sometimes the Justice League, sometimes with just Wonder Woman or, or whatever they find out. But, Oh, sorry, but in this movie, he has a real case. He has to solve. He has to find a killer, and he's doing detective work. He's going to places, finding uh, traces, and uh, finding out stuff about the person, and watching videos. How how shall I solve it? It's it's a great detective movie with Batman, and this is why I think it's great. I was it's almost three hours and I was watching it like opened eyes with wide eyes the whole time. It was it it's great. It's great. Not fantastic. perfect, but it's great. That's great. So That's you should fantastic. you should watch it. I will, I will. when I get some time, I'm gonna go gonna go see that. Um 
it doesn't surprise me that it's that it's good to be honest because it's it's doing something different that's the thing like you i'm not saying that there's not money to to still be made in batman there's still plenty of stories you can do it's just if you repeat the same stories people will get bored and people won't like it because what i mean that's the big complaint right now in hollywood movies is just oh my god so many remakes remake 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 and it's like a remake is or a reboot is fine if you do something different but they're they're so scared to to try something different a lot of the time that they just remake the same move like do it the exact same way which is a problem because it's like it's already been done you know um i mean i i get the whole and i said i said this before you know the thing of like reinventing something or remaking something so it's appropriate to today and then it reflects today I, I get that but you still have to tweak things and adjust it still you, you can't like like that robocop example i gave earlier it wasn't 1980s robocop in 2016 or whatever it was it was this is robocop in if it happened today you know and that, that's oh. the key i think with with batman um it's been told, it's been told many times ever since, oh, wow, crikey, since the 60s. You had the campy classic Batman, you had Michael Keaton Batman, then you had um, yeah, all the stuff with Tim Burton, and then, then it George got dark. Clooney. George Clooney, yeah. I mean, even that, as silly as it was, there was it was different. It was, you know, it's fun. I, I, yeah, I like that movie. I know, I know it's <laughs> terrible, but I love it. <laughs> you know no no that's okay i mean come on bat nipples it's hilarious <laughs> and the the bank card oh it was just part of the time the 90s and the 2000s was a very strange time but um yeah i mean i think the only other batman story they could really tell other than diving into the comic stuff um is to go for like i, I don't know which one it is maybe it's Brave and the Bold, where you've got old Batman and, and, and uh, young Batman and, and older Batman. I think right now, the next step is do a movie with Pattinson and Michael Keaton together. That would make sense. And you know what? It would, it would kind of work with, with Keaton's Batman as well, because um, while there was that kooky kind of campy classic villain stuff in his movies he was still like a serious batman and um yeah it would kind of work i don't know i think that's that's a story you could tell and you know do it now while keaton's alive and it would it would just be great fan service i think and it would be fun and yeah, uh, and nice. yeah clearly pattinson did a good job with this um so yeah why not but they'll they'll probably do a couple more mini movies with him won't they and We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, bringing it back to you, you and your music, I'm intrigued. And I've asked other musicians on my show this from, from different countries. Uh, what is it? What does it feel like for you writing music in English as opposed to your native language? Like, is it, what's that experience like? Is it, is it vastly different or like, can you explain that to me? Absolutely, it's different. In a way, it is easier because I think a lot of people, maybe including myself, is speaking English on a basic level. I mean, okay, I, I have some exams and I, I'm sometimes I'm working as a translator, but still with the active uh, words, I'm only using a few hundred, maybe thousand 
words in English. And this makes this, this language I'm using, and a lot of people, even Indians or Chinese or, or whatever, a more simple English, if it makes sense. And this makes the, even the text of the song easier or more simple. And me, for me, it feels like chewing a rubber gum or a bubble gum. Aside of uh, writing song in my in my native language, because in that I'm more serious. I'm uh, making contemporary poems to grunge songs, and those things are about death or uh, or love or the fulfillments in life, all kind of contemporary stuff. But with these English songs, I can go on a funny way, on a fun way, I can just put these simple English uh, words together. And it, it makes me a little bit more free. Does it make sense? Oh, I get it. I get it. I think it's just, for me, I, I find it interesting because I've written music in other languages a few times here and there, and it doesn't feel quite me it's like i don't know it's like it, it to me it, it makes perfect sense when you say i write the serious stuff in my own language and then something a bit different in the foreign language it's like it makes sense to me because it's like it feels awkward with the other language um like when i because i lived in europe for a few years in a, in a country called estonia and whenever i spoke estonian i remember kind of <laughs> I felt comfortable with it at, at one point and then you know it was kind of funny to me but I I never kind of got over how strange it was talking in another language and but it began to make me understand what it's like especially when you speak another language consistently it's like it's it doesn't feel like you it's almost like it's almost like a weird lie in a way it's like I don't know like and, and I, I remember saying this to other people and some people would get it and other people would be like, what are you on about? Like I remember talking to a, a Russian friend of mine um, when I was working over there and I explained this to him and he was like, I don't know, I speak Russian, speak English, same thing. Like, <laughs> and I was like, huh. So I guess it's different for everyone. But Yeah, I'm, I'm using English in my professional life in IT sure. as well and also as a translator. So I feel it's my second nature, but I feel the same thing you mentioned with German. Mm. I, I know basic German and I'm also doing translations from German, but it is so different from me. It, 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 it is really another word. And if I'm speaking in German, I think it's a lie. No, nobody would think that I'm a real German. Okay, I haven't, accent in English as well but I can I can make myself more comfortable in English than in German it's strange for me as well like when when you begin to understand another language like and you can hear it in the background or something and you don't understand it like a hundred percent but you do at the same time like when I when I was in Estonia I was I was filming this movie and um I was like listening to, because uh, most people on set were Estonian, and um, our 
I don't know, production assistant that was like, she was like a more senior level person was like coordinating us, telling us what to do, et cetera. And she knew that I was foreign, that I was English, um, but she also knew that I was living there and I understood Estonian to a degree. Um, and she'd often come up to me and be like, did you get that? And I was like, yep. Um, and it was weird because I was like, how did I get that? Like, I just, I just sit there and I'd be listening and I'd just, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's like, it, it, I don't know, it's like the penny drops and then suddenly it starts clicking. But I think it comes from practice, doesn't it? It's, it's weird, like, because I always knew, like, this isn't, this isn't my language, but I understand it and it, I speak it enough that it's, it's become natural, but it's like never quite the same. I don't know. It's, it's fun, though, but yeah. They were not cursing or using bad languages, right? No. Just no. simple everyday stuff. Yeah, no, just like instructions, what we were supposed to be uh-huh. doing next and stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I learned it to a to a fair degree, like quite conversational. I was uh-huh. I was there I was there for about three years, so I, I got it. But um I th- I think it's it's interesting just bringing it back to music. Like I think it's very interesting when you when you begin to write music or poetry or something in, in another language it's like because poetry and music is, is very a deeply personal thing isn't it it's like a, a extension of yourself and you're communicating ideas and feelings within that and i think to to write in a foreign language you got to kind of feel comfortable in it to a degree that you're a able to convey what you want to convey and b well i find myself repeat myself but you feel comfortable doing it like i i don't know like it, like for instance i tried to write a few songs in estonian and it just didn't work like it just seemed very and i think part of that is just i just didn't have a strong enough command of the language um but also i think it was more that it just i realized that you just you have to kind of feel comfortable enough to be able to articulate yourself and communicate your message comfortably i mean i'm just going to keep repeating myself here but that's that's the that's the deal that's, that's how it is i think but yeah interesting it really is. It really is, yeah. yeah um with regards to your music i mean let's say you get some traction with it and it, and it goes somewhere um are you would you want to stay independent or would you be interested in signing maybe with a label or something like, like where, where do you stand on that whole argument? I tried to look up a few labels, but I don't think I have too valuable stuff for them. So I understand labels are now searching for things like Dua Lipa or a new Bon Jovi, but everything what Bon Jovi has right now, so the fans, the whole catalog. I didn't see too much labels interested in new, very alternative standalone guy with two kids who is sitting at home and <laughs> writing his songs. So um, I don't know. I think man. I would go with the independent. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I think you're underselling yourself. Like anyone can make it. Anyone has the potential to make it. You know. I don't, I don't think that any of those things stand against you. I think, I think it's more, it's more a case of what you have to contribute and clicking with people, clicking 
you know, it's so many factors, isn't it? It's it's clicking with people. It's clicking with like either your country or like um, a particular movement that's going on. It can be timing. It can be so many other factors. But I don't. I don't think that you know those things hold you back or anything because but you see people of all ages making it but I, I suppose it depends how you define success and and what you're looking to achieve and stuff like that like you mentioned a few pop artists there i mean i don't i don't think your goal is to become a pop artist you know what i mean and you already mentioned oh, absolutely sort of, yeah you do like sort of rock and grunge and all these kind of things and there's still a market for that a very huge market worldwide and you know i think it's a lot, I think it's a combination of a bit of luck and perseverance and just kind of offering something a little different than maybe what's been kind of offered already or, or taking an existing idea and, and kind of like transforming it a little bit, you know, but I always, yeah, never undersell yourself, my friend. There's always, there's always a chance with it, you know. I think the next step could be, as you mentioned, clicking with people. So, collaborating with other artists more, I think that would be a good next step. So I'm looking around for that. Cool, man. cool. Best of luck with that. Um, Thank you. One thing I didn't really sort of delve into there with you is obviously you mentioned that with what you're doing now, you've kind of sort of come back into this, you know, you, you've had kids, you, you, you've, you've got like maybe a little bit more time on your hands. So you're working on these projects and you're pushing it, but is this something like when did you start getting into music like for the first time? Was it something in your younger years and then you sort of just put on the back burner for a while or is it always been in the presence in your life? At the university, I had a good friend and we were writing songs with each other. And I mean, drinking a lot. Hey. And after drinking, we were writing shitty music and, and <laughs> shitty lyrics, but it was so much fun. I didn't have such fun since that. So oh, in one night, we were writing six or seven songs and using do-it-yourself stuff at home and drinking his mother's liquor we found <laughs> in the cellar. And stuff like that. Sometimes we invited others and they thought it was good so it was kind of a punky thing and the fun dimension made it so good and we didn't care about writing good stuff we were we were translating youtube songs to hungarian or oh cool nirvana songs to hungarian and we were translating it badly because uh, both of us were uh, students in the translation part of the university and we were we were learning how to translate in a perfect way so at the weekend we were doing it badly <laughs> but it was so fun so much fun and after that we just had our yokono so we split and life happened i had my kids and both of us started working so so we never came up together and this is why i went solo after a while doing just these songs in my attic 
recording everything with this laptop. Okay. And this is how it turned out. It's like a process of rediscovery almost. It's quite interesting. But now it's taking on a bit of a new onus. So it's like, you're no longer that, that teen boy mucking around. You're the man, responsibilities. But the same yeah. fire is still there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome, man. That's, no, that's really refreshing to hear, man. Um, one, one thing I think I'm, I'm interested in, in hearing about is, is have, you, have you played any shows, like live shows, live performances with, with what you do? I, I started to put these songs together just as COVID started. Uh -huh. So, no. No, not really. No. You planning to? Maybe. Yes, yes, yes. There is a geek series all around the world, and maybe in your town as well. Which which town are you in? Not London. I, no, I live in uh, Manchester in the UK. Manchester, okay. Maybe because Manchester is kind of a big town. Maybe there is this thing called so far. So songs from a room. So far. I'm not sure on that one, it's, actually. It's an, it's an abbreviation. So what they are doing is putting back songs to the meaningful listening. So they reserve small places like libraries or mm -hmm. churches or little galleries with 20 people or 80 people, also small gig. And how they organize is they don't say who the performer will be. You you only have the date, hmm. and you sign up on a on a sheet, and and it's an international sheet. So, yeah, yeah, you have to look it up. But you sign up, and two hours before the gig, you receive where it will be. Oh and my God! So, yeah. And sometimes it is a bring your own beer. <laughs> so you can bring whatever you would like to because it's not a venue. It's, it's really a church or a library or whatever. Or a garden, a private garden. Or a university room. And you go there and they ask you to really listen to the songs. Turn your camera off, turn, turn your mobile off. You, you have to go... Well, not really off, but just don't pick it up. Don't scroll it. Don't check your Insta or whatever. And uh, they usually have two or three performers and they don't tell you who they are. So they come to the stage and you, you know it by them. Of course, uh, at the beginning, they write their names up because these performers are usually upcoming new performers. So they say, okay, today we have this performer from Manchester or from another city. And sometimes these performers uh, connect these gigs to their tours. So they have a free night, they sign up for the show and they can have a good recording because these shows usually are usually recorded, uh, mostly one song, only one song. And they have good pictures and these people listening to them. So it's not about the money, but for the gig itself. 
and they don't tell you the second artist until, until he's coming up to the stage and even the third. So the whole night is a big surprise. I love that idea. I think that's brilliant. And just like in case of Fiverr, it can go wrong. <laughs> but no, but it would be brilliant in a way. I mean, it, it depends, doesn't it? I mean, I think, I think if you go there with a kind of attitude of like, we're here to have a laugh and have a drink yeah. and you know what I mean? Like I, I can, I'd be up for this. I think this would be good. Because this, this is how we do with my wife and sometimes with a friend. We just go there and let's see what happens. And oh my God. I've been there like 10 times and two or three times, one of the performers were really, really shitty. You got to tell but me, had, like, why? The other one was good. So when, when they were bad, like, what was the worst thing that you saw? Like, just the worst. <laughs> did, did it's, that, it's a local, it's a local band. Okay. And uh, so they have an English name and they are singing in English, some kind of metal. And... I don't want to say the name, but but the word better, like in the meaning of best, it's not the same, but in that meaning, it's in their name. And they are like, it's not the best. It's the worst. <laughs> but what went wrong? Like, what? Why was it? Why was it not the best? They, they said these gigs are usually acoustic. So you have to prepare for that um, because the, the space is small and you don't have too much gear. Sometimes, sometimes they have, they organize it somehow. So this metal band was coming up and they said that, okay, we are a metal band playing with distorted guitars and really loudly, but now this is an acoustic gig. So it won't sound too good, but I have to say that the songs were not good themselves. They were boring. They were not written well. There are a lot of the same words repeating again and again. And even the songs sounded the same. And the guy was trying to sing, screaming with an acoustic guitar. It, oh, it no. was not working well. Oh no. And they felt that it's not so good. So they said, that, okay, okay. This was not our best gig, so let us show you how we usually do. So they asked the organizers to play something from Spotify, how they usually sound. And it was a cringy feeling watching them and they were just standing there and the screaming was coming from Spotify and uh, no, no. So I don't think it was well organized from them or well planned. So like okay, we are this band, but we can sing Wonderwall for one time because we are musicians and here are two acoustic guitars, why not? Or just take one of their songs and turn it to an acoustic version. They could have come up with so many things, but they didn't. It's like when a comedian bombs on stage and they don't take it well. That's what it sounds like. Like, I don't know why, but it reminded me of this uh, comedy gig I went to years ago where, <laughs> okay, so it was like a work thing. Okay, so we'd rented out this um, place. It was in Leicester Square and we'd rented out this venue. It was pretty cool, you know, there's like 20 of us from work and 
uh, we were all there to see a comedy show. I was young. I think I was like 18, 19. Um, it, was, it was fun. Like, it was a fun night. And, and like, not all the comedians were bad. Some of them were really good, actually. But there was, um, there was two comedians that came on that were both bad um, for different reasons. The first one, bless him, he came on. He was the very first comedian. And he came on with lo- loads of energy and he was just shouting. He was like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about this, right? Crickets. Silence. And he's like, yeah, but you know how this goes. And then this goes. And here's the amazing thing. Like, at no point did his energy level drop. Because you'd think after doing a half an hour set that at some point it would begin to become apparent that this set's not working and you're not going to get a laugh. He just kept going, which I respect, you know, you just see it through. Right. But it was, it was painful. And we, I think a part of my soul died in that moment, just watching him just bomb. And I think a bit, his soul left his body while he was, you know, pretending that he was really into this. I think inside he's like, this is terrible. This is terrible. But yeah, he just kept going. But fair play. I say, this is the thing. Out of the two comedians that were bad that night, he at least had a good attitude because he was like, thank you very much. And everyone gave him a, you know, golf clap. And then he, he, he left the stage and it was okay. But then there was a guy from Scotland. And here's the thing. Scottish people, brilliant, very funny. I, I was like, oh, well, this is, this is easy, man. This is, come on. He's Scottish. I mean, this is going to be hilarious. Um, not, and I'm not saying like laugh at the Scotsman. I mean, just Scottish people have a good sense of humor. It's quite dry, um, quite sarcastic, you know, uh, quite similar to English humor. But sometimes they can be a bit rougher with the jokes, you know, maybe a bit more swearing, you know, like it's, I don't know. Like, I like Scottish people. But this particular Scottish fellow bad attitude he came in he was a tall guy as well he's probably like six two six three and he came on stage and my only guess at this point is it's maybe he's he's done a couple of shows he's not done a many he's, he's just starting out maybe um and here's the thing when a bit's not working normally you just move on you know if it's not working the first time maybe you try it the second time if they don't buy, it's a bit like fishing. You know, you go, you, you keep casting your rod and you get nothing, you move on, you move to a different swim, right? But he just wasn't getting the picture. And he kept doing this bit about Hitler. And you'd think doing jokes about Hitler would be pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty easy stuff. You know, you usually get a cheap laugh out of it. But somehow he just, I can't, and I can't remember for the life of me what he said, but he was trying to make a comparison between something and Hitler and it just wasn't sitting and the audience was just dead and he got heckled a little bit nothing bad but just like you know a little bit of a heckle and normally comedians should be able to to take that in their stride and as long as it's not mean maybe they can even use it to their advantage you know but he instead of like taking it in good his good stride he decided to just assault verbally assault someone in the audience who happened to be uh it was a manager of mine actually um but he was a bit more like i'm everyone's friend that kind of guy and uh he was just sitting there just looking at this guy 
just like what what is this what and so he start the the comedian starts attacking this guy in the audience he's like oh yeah what what's what's your problem baldy like what's why is it so funny what 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 have you got to say and then the guy's he doesn't say anything he's just laughing at him and he's like what are you laughing at what are you laughing at? what are you got to say and he just goes you're not funny mate crickets just light laughing we're like oh this is getting awkward it just it got to it just kept escalating and escalating to the point where it was just awkward and we were just all praying that he would just leave and go away but he was getting more and more aggressive and then by the end of it he turned around and he called the guy in the audience uh the c word i'm not going to say that on the podcast but the most offensive word you can say in the english language in my estimation the c word which i thought was just that was that was intense man come on like you don't even know this guy it's just like a light heckle you know i understand that the the gig's gone badly for you but come on like and then he just <laughs> turned around and he was like you're the worst audience i've ever had fuck you and then just walked off stage and then we all proceeded to cheer and clap when he left like like yeah woo! Like, <laughs> like sarcastically Oh man! This... Do you happen to know that whether he's going on as no, a comedian? I do. No, I've or... never. I'd never. I, I imagine he probably called it a day. Um, I would hope he did. <laughs> Either that, or he just had a better attitude. So, so he didn't turn out to be famous. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think I've. No, I've not seen a Scottish comedian that looks like him. But I don't know. Okay. Maybe if I do, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> but just on the themes of people dying, like on stage, like what you said there, it sounds a bit like they knew they were crap on stage. So then they were like, "Oh no, 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 no! Wait, 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 wait! We we were just screwed. No, no, no! Turn on the Spotify. Turn on the Spotify. Get someone on the Spotify." And then everyone's just like, "This is awkward." Can you can you take the microphone away? Can we cut the microphone? Come on, this is awkward, man. Come, no. <laughs> and then everyone's just like, "Yeah, what do you what do you think? What do you think of it? Is it good? Do you like it? Do you like it?" It's all right. It I don't know. What do you think? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what they were actually saying? Like, do you like it? Do you like the song? What do you think? Like, oh, no, no, not like this, but 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 the feeling and the vibe was the same. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and they think, and they, I think they did bad for themselves because even later on, years later, I, I see the name on the gig list or, or a big festival or whatever. I just think about that case and, uh, well, and you those can, you can... 50 people who were there can recall that night. And, uh, you, yeah, I mean, you can get better. Everyone has a bad gig. I mean, I've, I've had bad shows, you know, everyone has a bad show. But yeah, you, that attitude is, is not great. You know, you, you don't want to have that kind of attitude. I mean, crikey, I've seen it. I've told this on the podcast before. I've seen big bands do it. I, I once saw Dragon Force um, perform terribly. They were absolutely terrible. And this was at the very height of their popularity in like 2007, right around Guitar Hero days. Like, and it was a big little mini festivals he had like trivium shadows full uh arch enemy machine head great lineup and dragon force was there they were like second or third on or no i think they were just before trivium actually trivium were the headliners and um just the worst attitude ever 
and, and here's the thing. Drummer was okay, pretty good. Um, bassist was good. Herman Lee was good, as you'd expect, but the other guitarist, terrible. I, it's like he first day playing the guitar or something. And um, the singer was just awful. And we just started booing them. The crowd just started booing them. <laughs> they were just, I'm sorry to say it, but they were shit. They were, it was a bad, uh, I don't know if it was a bad gig or whatever, but they were just terrible. And it almost felt like a lie, like everything we'd seen and heard about was a lie kind of thing. And then they, they played like two songs and then they just, it's like, oh, you can't boo us. Oh, you're the worst crowd we've ever had. And then they just dumped their instruments on the floor and walked off. Oh. And, and we all cheered and then Trivium came on. So <laughs> did, did they crash any guitar? No, but I think the I think the vocalist threw his microphone on the floor and walked off. <laughs> but the, the rest of the actually, the, funnily enough, the rest of the band were really professional about it and just said thank you and walked off stage like nicely. But <laughs> the, the guitarist, the rhythm guitarist, and the singer walked off in a half. I remember that. But yeah, it was very surreal to to witness that, like especially from like real. Because there's one thing about that band that you said they're probably just starting out, but like Dragon Force was this big band, like you know, um, you don't expect that from professionals, but I guess it happens from time to time. Uh, it is what it is. Um, in any case, um, moving it forward, you, you mentioned that you have a, a a job in IT. What do you, what exactly do you do in IT? I'm a software tester. Oh, software and... tester. As you mentioned, uh, liking my own stuff in my professional life, I totally do that. So many people in IT, I sometimes they are wondering that uh, bots and artificial intelligence is taking testing over. It is starting to happening, but not really. So we see some tools automating testing, and sometimes they are not working out well. So. I'm, I'm telling all this because I don't know how long I can do testing. I've been doing it for 14 years now. And I'm not sure I can do that for another 20 years, maybe 10-ish. Mm -hmm. but, but let's see how it will turn out. But just Ooh. like you mentioned, I am happy in my professional life. And uh, this is why I do music as a hobby only. Well, this is interesting because if you already know that potentially your position could get replaced by AI, which I think is a danger for many of us. I, I sense the same thing will happen uh, with marketing one day to some extent, uh, which is my main field. Um, do, do you do you have like other things you could move to or do you have ideas, plans for other things you could move into? Yes, the obvious one, learning out how to handle these tools and how to manage them. Hmm. So at this point, it seems that manual testers and automated testers working together or, or a, a person can use automated tools as really tools and not like our rulers or gods, but more mm -hmm. like helping tools. But I'm also interested in business analysis, so requirement gathering and talking to clients and stuff like that so that can also be a future plan but right now automation seems to be a viable plan yeah i mean i think there are yeah you, you always need to monitor automated systems 100 that'll always need 
uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting consideration, isn't it? Like how much, how many human jobs can be fully replaced by AI? I'm not sure that all can. Because even so, you take like sales, as you said, like as an example, sales or talking to customers, you're always going to want to be able to talk to human beings. You can't tell me that people would be happy talking to AI fully, even if it can be made to sound like 100% like a human. It's like, it's not the same. It's just not the same. No, no. No, no. And in this field, you need a lot of intuition. So a lot of times customers know what they think they know they want. Yep. but they don't know what they really want. Mm-hmm. So they are coming like, please give me software which does this, this, this. And we ask, okay, how shall the button behave? What shall the color be like? And they say, well, uh, okay, I don't know. <laughs> or they, or we don't even have this conversation. We just can come up with a product and Based on that, they can say, okay, replace this. Let's change this. Oh, this works really well. I like this. But an AI at the current moment cannot come up with these intuitions and, and predictions. And, and that's the thing. Like, I think even if it could, even if, I mean, inevitably one day it will, but I think there are just some human things that you can't replace at all. You know, like, I mean, unless you can give AI emotion, I don't really see how you could, for example, let's say um, we're talking customer service and I have a really bad complaint. I'm angry. I'm just incensed with how I've been treated. Okay. AI is not going to be able to calm me down or make me happy. If anything, it's going to further infuriate me that I'm having to speak to AI as opposed to a human being. And I'm going to want to get to a human being. And in the same way that, look, I mean, you've got automated systems now, automated phone calls, for example. Um, I don't know about yourself, but like for me, I find that infuriating. I just want to get to a human being. Like I often find myself grabbing the phone and going, um, talk to human, talk to person talk operate like i just and and it'll keep saying like do you mean this and i'm like no talk and then eventually you get what you want and then you talk to someone and then they're like oh have you been on a website have you spoken to this have you done this i'm like no i just want to talk to someone so i can get this done so it's you know what i mean and sometimes even something simple like um i go into a bank and they're like, oh, you know, you don't have to queue up. You can, you can just put your money in, in that machine over there and it does it automatically for you. And it's like, maybe I want to talk to a human being and just have that reassuredness that I've seen you make this deposit for me and I'm happy now. Because what if that computer breaks, which is very viable, it could, or there's a software malfunction or it gets hacked, which is a very real possibility in this day and age. You know, it's like sometimes it's good to just talk to a human and get what you want you know like like sorry i'm just jumping on this because i keep getting ideas with this but you know when you go into a supermarket and you know there's all these self-checkouts now it's like don't get me wrong i love self-checkouts i think it's brilliant but you can't tell me it would be great to fully just have only self-checkouts and no staff like that's no sometimes you need and want to talk to a human being or as you say you don't know what you want maybe maybe there's things you've missed out on because i can't count how many times i've been doing my shopping and then like a member of staff goes oh by the way you can get this this and this like as an offer or something and i'm like oh i missed that 
they're like yeah or we got this for you or we got that for you and don't get me wrong sometimes that's annoying but sometimes they actually save you some money or they make your life easier or, or whatever you know so yeah I sometimes know. i do consultancy work for companies like how, how the websites should behave and i always say um, could you please turn that chatbot off because yeah. nobody nobody loves chatbots and they say really we were spending so much on it and it's true it's true they don't they don't really work i hate them i tell, I tell I, you I, what go on yeah. go on i always try to test them and they don't really work yes yeah, it's, it's the same for me like i think i actually wrote funny enough i was i was writing some articles about something related to this actually i think i actually wrote an article about chatbots at one point and i was thinking as i was writing it that the best way to use a chatbot these days is kind of like a referral service thing like a q a style thing so you still get people to go through the questions to answer it kind of like a form but you still have the end goal of getting them to an operator in many cases or like getting them the information they want the, the reason that you you use a chatbot is you're trying to do one of two things you're either trying to get more information so you need your questions answered or book an appointment or something like that so those are your two main options okay now if you want to book an appointment you might be able to yeah to probably do that um without the need to talk to a human or whatever um getting the information you want from the webs uh, from the chatbot in many cases you can get what you need but there's a lot of times when you can't and a good chatbot, the one that's set up well will keep trying to answer your question. And if it can't, then it gives you like, you need to call this number or we'll refer you to this, or we're referring you to a, to a real person. Perfect. Brilliant. That's exactly what you, a good chatbot should do. But I've seen so many where it's like, Oh, we can't answer your question or please refer to the website. And it's like, this is, just I, I just i log off the website and, and i'll go somewhere else when i see that because it's like they clearly don't care absolutely yeah they absolutely. just they don't care they've not put enough effort into it and that that's the best way to use a chatbot i reckon um because it's i just see it like a like a standard form it's just it's just a form style thing that can i, I think sometimes it impresses me the like when it has genuinely picked up enough information, it can usually point you in the right direction pretty quickly based on what you input. So sometimes certain chatbots are better than others, but sometimes, yeah, they're just awful and <sighs> infuriating, I think is probably the way I would put it. I mean, but again, I, I guess, I guess it depends how you program them and to what extent and how much effort you actually put into it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you some sort of serious questions now that I like to ask my guests. Oh. What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice. Wow. I... It's not a relative or a friend, but so when my children were born, we had a lot of problems managing, well, time. When to do this, when to do that. And somehow I found this book. It's called How to Manage Your Life. So not 
time directly, but your whole life. And it's about, it's written by uh, Ellen Lacan, and it is sold on Amazon in millions of copies. It is from the 80s. And there are so many good advices and practical advices in there that we really restructured our life at home and in my professional life as well. Like horizontal planning, checking your calendar and, and if it's, you really want to achieve something, you book time for it in your calendar and stuff, stuff like that. So this book, How to Control Your Life, I think it, it is something many people should read. Of course, there are outdated things like a calendar. He's suggesting pen and paper calendar. I'm not using that. I'm using Google Calendar now. Yeah. But uh, some, some things changed from the 80s, but not too much, like how our brain works. And he's really good with that. Brilliant. And I agree with you on the whole calendar thing as well. I, I used to have a, I had a calendar last year a uh, physical one but then when it came to this year and I, I was using both and then i was i uh -huh. i sort of and you you had to synchronize right yeah and i i would get lazy and forget to to write in my calendar but i would always update the google calendar and then this year i've just been solely using the google calendar and to be honest it's excellent i can't fault yeah, it we did the same and we actually have five calendars synchronized together oh so yeah you yeah, 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 view, yeah you can see so we we have for the children for my wife for myself stuff like that so we you can see everything in the same place i love the fact that you can like toggle them as well so like I can have like my work one toggled on or off. So it will show the things and you can take it off immediately. That's brilliant. That's yeah. Toggle and set up reminders and links and uh, repeating events. It's, it's amazing. Exceptional. What's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far? There was a movie about Steve Jobs, and he says, I don't know whether it's true or not, but he says in this movie that uh, you, he, he, was, he was learning calligraphy in, in, at the university, but after a while he dropped out, so he went to the IT stuff, Apple and stuff like that. But later on, he used his knowledge about calligraphy in designing the Apple products, how the fonts should look and stuff like that. And based on that, he suggested that learn whatever you would like to learn because you don't know how it can be useful later on. And I can really, really relate to that. This is how I use my simple guitar playing mm. chord knowledge right now or um, I was reading poetry and now I can teach these simple poetic things to my children. So you can be passionate about things, you can learn things. And sometimes maybe 10 years later or 20 years later, maybe you can reuse them, sometimes not. But so you, you spend some time learning something, but don't be afraid, learn unnecessary, un, sorry. 
unnecessary things because it can be useful later or not. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's I, not. It's not a waste of time. Never. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. I don't, yeah, I don't think there's anything learnt that's ever unnecessary as far as like skills are concerned and, and whatnot. Like you, you never know when you'll yeah find yourself using them. <laughs> it's, it's funny how that works out. Like I mean, um, I look at marketing. You know, I, I studied marketing at university and I do it a lot. Uh, on a freelance basis and I, I'm, I find myself working in other fields freelance now it's a bit of a departure at the moment what I'm doing from from marketing but I still do it on the side but the more interesting and funny thing I find is that everything I do online podcasting uh, cultivating or creating an acting career you know advertising posting stuff online all of it uses marketing and the practices I've learned throughout working in corporate working for companies working freelance etc um and if anything i I use more of marketing in in those endeavors than i do in actual marketing itself um and i mean i i'd say i i I more learned it from the jobs i did rather than university um but that was a thing that i thought oh i'll probably just move away from marketing and then uh, move into other things, but I use it with everything I do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's funny how these things can can become useful and continue to be useful. It's intriguing. Um, as we draw things to a close for today, do you have any upcoming projects or some final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? My only plan for this project right now is. Uh... Last year, I wanted to write a Christmas song, but I didn't have the time to produce it. So I'm thinking about writing it in the spring and just scheduling it for December because all the musicians are putting out Christmas songs. So why not me? But uh, it will be a twisted story again. Ooh, I like the idea of that. A very twisted Christmas. Oh, this sounds a, like a perfect title. There you go. You can have <laughs> that for free. It. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Leslo, for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I, wish, you. I wish you all the best with your music. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for having me there. Have a good night. It's been an absolute pleasure. And to all the listeners of the Christian Reef podcast, as always, be safe, be well. And I'll see you in the next one.